the number one thing you can do to be prepared for a hazard is believe it will happen and like educate yourself on what are the things you can do to prepare yourself. And I think that really does pertain to every hazard is just understand what the risk is and believe it might happen to you. Welcome back to Core Conversations, a Core Logic podcast, where we tour the property market to investigate how economics, climate change, governmental policies, and technology affect everyday life. I am your host, May Claire Bolton Smith, and I'm just as curious as you are about everything that happens in our industry. We talk about it all the time on this podcast climate change. Our changing climate has affected nearly every aspect of the property market, but one segment in particular that's faced difficulties is the insurance industry. Recently, California Insurance Commissioner Ricardo Lara said the insurance sector no longer has the luxury of thinking only of the year ahead. Insurance companies, regulators, and consumers all must learn to consider and prepare for the long term. Some insurance industry advocates have echoed the fact that there are barriers to long-term thinking. To emphasize the importance of these barriers, several insurance companies in California have ceased writing new insurance policies in the state. So to talk about what this decision to no longer write new policies in California means for homeowners in the state, as well as for the future of the insurance industry, we have Senior Product Manager Jamie Knippen with us. Jamie, welcome to Core Conversations. It's fantastic to be here. Thank you for having me, Mayclair. Okay, I'm really excited to talk to you about this one. So, But it's your first time here on Core Conversations, so why don't you get us started and tell our listeners a little bit about yourself. Who are you? What do you do here at CoreLogic? Perfect. Thank you. Um, It's a pleasure to be here. But yeah, to give some background, I come from an environmental science background with a special focus on geographic information systems. So when I first started with CoreLogic, I actually worked on creating, editing, and maintaining a lot of the geospatial hazard and risk management data Mm -hmm. before transitioning into product management. Um, So today, I'm the senior product manager for our wildfire products, which include deterministic products such as our wildfire risk score and our wildfire mitigation score as well as our U.S. wildfire model, which is our full simulation probabilistic model. So with all that said, I really get to talk about the hot topic that keeps on getting hotter <laughs> um, due to the shifts that are happening in the industry. Yeah, and it, it definitely is. And you and I work together really closely here at CoreLogic. So I know that you are the best person for us to talk to about this topic. We'll get into the detail of why the insurance landscape is changing. But first, I wanted to remind our listeners that we want to help you keep pace with the property market. To make it easy, we curate the latest insight and analysis for you on our social media where you can find us using the handle at CoreLogic on Facebook and LinkedIn or at CoreLogic Inc. on X, formerly known as Twitter, and Instagram. But now, let's get back to Mayclair and Jamie. I guess for a little background here, State Farm, who accounted for 20% of bundled home insurance policies and 13% of commercial policies in the state, and then Allstate was the fourth largest property insurer in California, according to data from Vox. So the fact that these two major insurers are now not writing new policies is really big news. So can you give us a little context on what happened here? Completely. Um, it, I think it's really important to start with that everyone's saying the same thing. This includes regulators, insurers, and companies like ourselves. The market has shifted and continuing to change, but everyone's really focused on that need for a long-term view and understanding of risk. 
The thing with the market is that it can't be tied down to one individual pain point. Instead, it's a combination of a few different things like climate change, um, the movement of people out west, and specifically the growth of population in areas like the wildland urban interface, which is that high risk zone in most cases. And also the regulation and the current rights that are allowed um, by use of different types of models uh, that plays heavily in California. So due to all of this and some of the movement that we're seeing with some of these larger carriers, the, the big message is that change does need to occur. Carriers and regulators do have the same priorities. They want, to, they, they want success as well as stabilization, but sure, carriers in California yeah. have really identified those barriers and have had to make those hard decisions like walking out of the state. So without new changes by the regulators, they've really put their foot down and are looking for change. Wow. So, okay. There's, there's a lot there, Jamie. I, I want us to kind of dive in a little bit. So wildfires have been happening in California forever, like, and especially in the last, you know, five or 10 years, we've heard of these really damaging ones and really, really bad ones, but like, why now? Why have insurance companies finally said, this is it. I've had enough. I can't do this anymore. Completely. And I think you kind of called it out right with that statement of that it's really picking up in the last few years. Frankly, Mm. more homes are burning today than ever. And that means that those losses aren't stopping. So when looking at the state as as a whole, um, you want to look at when the kind of view of risk of wildfire uh, really began heightening. And that was around 2017 when three of the most destructive fires occurred in California history. That included the Tubbs Fire, the Nuns Fire and the Thomas Fire. And to really get into the details, though, 16 of the top 20 most destructive fires have occurred in the last seven years in the state. So not only have the losses gotten larger and more catastrophic, but decisions surrounding the approach to wildfire have had to come quickly. So regulators are making these decisions and implementing these changes, and insurers have had the short time to react and also make smart decisions within their business. Um, So altogether, it's kind of leading to this more complex environment. Sure. Yeah. And it's, I I mean, I think you hit it on the head when you said too, that it's like the regulators, they're trying to be better. They're trying to help us be better. They're trying to help get through this. And I know if we look back, the state of California has has done quite a lot over the last even two decades. Um, If we go back, you know, to 2008, the state implemented stronger building codes, after some of the major fires that happened down in Southern California, you know, early in the 2000s. Um, I know very earlier this year in March, we chatted with Paul Brown on how the California Department of Insurance announced their new requirements for insurers and property owners, all kind of with focuses on mitigation measures and all with the, you know, the state's safer from wildfires mandate. Um, I guess too, like, if we think of opportunities, you know, if we think of mitigation, this is really the only thing that's going to help us here. We can't necessarily stop fires from happening from a hazard perspective, from a climate change perspective, the fuels are there, but like from a mitigation perspective, that's really where a lot of this focus seems to be. Are there opportunities to make mitigation or the mitigative measures more effective? I mean, I assume like each property is a little different too, or 
Yeah. Completely. Yeah. So I think um, when it comes down to it, legislation definitely continues to play a large role in the insurance market. And it really raises the importance of using things like risk models to prioritize what can be done and seeing what those effects are in terms of how they decrease uh, potential losses and costs. And so it's not only of what mitigation can do, but it's prioritizing what can be done from a financial aspect and kind of that future long-term view as we keep talking about. Um, so there's definitely different ways to increase the effectiveness of mitigation, and that can really be done at the property, community, and structure level. Okay. And as you said, there was that new regulation that came into play in April of 2023, this past year, that was set by the CDI that required for 12 mandatory mitigation factors to be incorporated into rating plans, um, which then carriers had to re- resubmit, refile their uh, ratings. Um The CDI is the California Department of Insurance. Um, This really had a kind of two-tiered approach. So it was that emphasis on mitigation itself and the importance Mm -hmm. of what it means from that property structure and community level, but also looked to educate consumers in the state about their risk based on where their house was located and also hope to encourage um, consumers to continue to mitigate their property. Speaking of preparing yourself for the future of the housing market, it's that time again. Grab a cup of coffee or your favorite beverage. We're going to do the numbers in the housing market. Here's what you need to know. Home prices nationwide increased by 1.6% year over year in June 2023 compared with June 2022. This puts home price growth at an 11-year low. 10 states plus the District of Columbia posted annual home price declines in June. New Jersey posted the highest year over year growth, gaining 6.9%. New Hampshire and Vermont followed in second and third place, each gaining 6.4% respectively. While three metropolitan areas in Florida and two metro areas in the West are at very high risk of price declines over the next 12 months, CoreLogic expects year over year U.S. home price appreciation to pick up for the rest of 2023 and reach about 7% by early 2024. Find out more about the property market in the U.S. Home Price Insights report. The link is in the show notes. And that's the SIP. See you next time. So diving into kind of what that can look like and where maybe um, mitigation should move towards is breaking down those kind of property structure and community level mitigation actions. Okay. So the property level really focuses on a structure's defensible space. So is there living vegetation within five feet of a property, 30 Mm. feet? Do you have tree overhang, um, which could cause for easier spread of flames? Do you have dead vegetation? And what I mean by that is something like firewood right up against your house. So that if lit, a wildfire would have an increased level of available fuels, potentially making it more severe. As you move into the structure level, you're looking at kind of those home hardening details. So if they have a class A roof, if they have enclosed eaves, if they have dual pane windows. And then community level, those are different efforts and different programs um, that are run through all different states. One of them is the Firewise USA communities that are run by the NFPA. Um, The NFPA is the National Fire Protection Association. And the thing that the CDI really focused on is the incorporation of those 12 mandatory mitigation factors Mm -hmm. and seeing how it could affect the risk and how it could affect the premium. But there's more than just the 12 potential mitigation actions that they called out that could be done. Uh, Just a few examples could be external sprinkling systems and fire-resistant siding. But on top of that, the combination of numerous mitigating actions is more important than just one. So if you just have a Class A roof, but you have bushes sitting directly around your house and you have single pane windows, um, the classy roof isn't going to do much when a fire comes through uh, that area. But if you have a combination of factors, so you have a class A roof, you have dual pane windows, you have a clear zone zero, 
you're starting to continue to fortify your house around that area, your house may experience less loss um, when a wildfire does occur. So these are all things to consider. And I think that that combination of the different mitigation factors at the property is extremely important, but also utilizing models to determine which mitigating actions are most important when it comes to um, fortifying both your house and a community as a whole. Yeah, I think that's really important because you can, you know, have enclosed eaves, have a closed roof and have a whole bunch of firewood sitting right outside of your house and it's not going to do you any good. So it really is a combination of these factors that really is going to increase your mitigative measures. Long-term views of risk are important. That's why CoreLogic is dedicated to providing the most comprehensive view of wildfire risk in the 2023 Wildfire Risk Report that was released on August 10th. Find a link in the show notes. Yeah, it's funny because as you do this, I look out my window. I'm thinking of my own house. I'm like, is there anything in my backyard that's going to catch on fire? <laughs> because mm-hmm. it's exactly this is how, when we live in an area that could be wildfire prone. I think that this is a, a major a major consideration to, for all homeowners to really consider what can I do to mitigate my own space. Yeah. Completely, completely. And I think that's something funny that I've learned in this role as I drive around different communities. <laughs> I start to see the red flags or the good that homes have. And, you know, it almost makes you want to go and knock on their door and tell them all about it kind of thing. Yeah, it's funny you say that because I've talked a lot in this podcast about buying a new house. And my husband will tell you as we drive around, he'd be like, we can't live there. He can tell you now where all the high wildfire areas are because <laughs> that's what I talk. I'm like, you can't live there. I'm like, oh, that, no, we're not going in that house. Like it's you can you can really start to pick them out once you really are aware. Um, I've always said, you know, from a preparedness for any hazard that the number one thing you can do to be prepared for a hazard is believe it will happen and like educate yourself on what are the things you can do to prepare yourself and I think that really does pertain to every hazard is just understand what the risk is and believe it might happen to you completely I think that's a really really good message May Claire and Jamie have been talking about understanding long-term wildfire risk and how doing so can help protect insurance carriers and governments from unplanned losses. In next week's episode, they'll dive into opportunities for decreasing risk as well as why risk is increasing across the board. As always, we'll pick back up next week. See you there. All right. And thank you for listening. I hope you've enjoyed our latest episode. Please remember to leave us a review and let us know your thoughts and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts to be notified when new episodes are released. And thanks to the team for helping bring this podcast to life. Producer Jesse Devenins, editor and sound engineer Romeo Roman, our facts guru Erica Stanley, and social media duo Sarah Buck and Michaela Brooks. Tune in next time for another core conversation.